title of our lesson is what? Apostasy. What is apostasy? A what? Leaving the faith, falling away, a turning away. Uh, do we see that today? Yeah, we do. We see it. Uh, we see it a lot in the Lord's church, don't we? People falling away. Mankind as a whole hasn't, has really turned away. Um, the leaders that we have now um, running our government, unfortunately, have apostatized. Basically, um, when we when we, as Brother Jimmy's brought out in several of his lessons, when leaders uh, say that it's okay for us to ch kill unborn babies, they've apostatized, hadn't they? When they believe that there's many gods, we've apostatized. Homosexuality, we've apostatized. Um... So there's a lot of ways that we can see an apostasy in our society today, uh, even in our young people. <clears throat> Just this last week, my wife in her pre-K classroom, and she's probably shared this story with some of you. Got a little girl in there, and her mom and dad is a member of the church in this county, and she's been raised in the church and taken the class. And sitting at the lunch table of about five pre-K children at the four, three and four-year-old age, she takes a poll. She says, who wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Now, Amanda's sitting at a distance eating her lunch uh, and listening to this conversation. And um, the sad part of that was no other kid raised her hand. The even more sad part of it is they didn't even know what heaven was. Um, because one little girl responded, said, well, I'm going to Texas this summer. I don't want to go to heaven right now. The others responded with nothing that, what is heaven? Um, we have a falling away. I've, I've told you all that and told you all that, but it's worse and worse and worse, and it's happening with our own children. Um, of not knowing heaven and hell. Uh, so it's happening, and it's, it's out there. I've told you before, you know, there's young, young people, young children that they don't have a clue what heaven is. They don't have a clue what God is. Um... And it's, it is a sad, sad, sad world in which we live. Um, there's a lot of good, don't get me wrong, uh, but we have a lot of sad situations uh, with, with that. But anyway, the apostasy. Paul discussed in our introduction there the second coming of Jesus. Both these letters, he's talked about that. He reminded those brethren there to wait. To wait for our Lord to return from heaven. 
He says that he would deliver them from the wrath to come. Verse 10, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul continued when he wrote in chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, describing that event uh, of what that return would be like, what we're going to happen. Are we, as we've studied in this, and Brother Jimmy has brought it out, but are we, do we know the return, or do we, are we, we know when it's going to happen? No, we don't. It describes it as a thief in the night meaning that we don't know when the Lord will return. Men, as we've discussed, have tried to determine when he was going to come, speculate and those types, types of things, but we do not know. Uh, and he describes that event, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. But it says in our introduction, the most important part, he told them that they, they had no way to know that when the Lord returned. But in that thief, thief is in the, middle of the, in the middle of the night, that unexpected moment. And with all that said, what is, the, what is the lesson or what is it for us today? If it's an unexpected moment or is it going to come as a thief, we need to be ready. She's exactly right. Right now is the time to be ready to go to heaven. Because uh, it's unexpected. Now, I prob probably none of us in this room this morning got up and said, well, the Lord may come today or the Lord's coming today. We probably, that probably crossed nobody's mind this morning that he could come today. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But that's not something that we think about a lot, is it? Unfortunately. We should be expecting it and be ready. What does it take to be ready, though? Hmm? Obedience. What does it take? What else does it take? I mean, and obedience can cover that, so that's a very broad, but study, know what you need to do. Obedience through baptism, uh, being baptized, permission of your sins, and continuing to do what? Be faithful. Does, does baptism alone save you? Huh? No. Why do so many people live that way? Lazy? Yeah, that's right, Miss Lori. Um, if y'all wondering why I'm limping a little bit, I fell through the deck yesterday. Yeah. Especially the rotten part. I thought I broke my leg, to be honest with you, when it first happened. Because I went plumb through, and this leg did, and this leg didn't, and got hung, got hung in between the floor joists and all those things sideways, and all my weight went down on it. And Micah said, you all right? He was standing up there on his phone, looking at his phone. I'm like, okay, I'm hung. You need any help? I'm like, yeah. Can't get my leg out. Scraped it up, got a big knot on it. Oh, but luckily my femur bone ain't broke. Then here comes Amanda. Where's he at? I was down behind the table. She couldn't see me. 
it was quite an ordeal. Uh, but why do so many people live that way? Laziness. They know just enough to do what? People know just enough that they've heard they need to be what? Baptized. That's the important thing. Oh, I need to be baptized. But isn't there a lot more to it than that? That's just the beginning. It is. That's just the beginning. And there's a whole lot to that. There's a whole lot to living a Christian life. And I think that goes back to what Michael said, the laziness. People are lazy. They don't, they don't care. They don't, they don't want to put forth the effort. As, we've, as I keep saying, the second milers. We had that lesson not too long ago. You know, are you the second miler? Um, are you the one that's ready uh, to, be, to, be, to be able to go to heaven? Heaven is that prepared place for prepared people. Um, sporadic faithfulness. Does that get you to heaven? That should be a resounding no from this whole congregation. Does sporadic faithfulness get you to heaven? No, it does not. What do we mean by sporadic? Falling off. The what? On demand. Only when you need it. Maybe when I feel like it. Only Sunday morning. Um, when bad things happen. A sporadic faith. I think that's something we have to continue to ask ourselves. Because we fall into into um, habits and we fall into the things that, that uh, well, that's, that's church and uh, um, you know, it's really, and we're not going to get into a whole lesson on church attendance, but I, I'm just saying sporadic faith and you know what I'm talking about. Um, just, just coming whenever, just doing whatever, and that's that's not for this day we're talking about right here. You're part of the falling away. <laughs> I hate to, I hate to just be the Debbie Downer, but <laughs> that's it. That's part of the falling away. Is when people's faith is not strong enough to say, "I want to serve the Lord every day." Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You see, that's what we got to have. That's when I sit with people up here on this front, or when I'm talking to them about being baptized. Are you ready for this commitment? What do they all say? Yeah, I'm ready. They might be in the moment. That's the hard part about being, being a preacher and talking to people about becoming a Christian, especially younger people and things, you know, making that decision whether they're ready or whether they're not ready. Uh, and you don't want to be the one to say that, you, you know, 
you don't need to be baptized right now or, or whatever because you may discourage. But then again, we have that responsibility, don't we, not to mislead people uh, and, and say, okay, yeah, yeah, just be baptized. Um, we, we've really lost a lot of the, the importance of what baptism is. It's just to now to some people it's just something that you do and now I can go to heaven. Well, that's not it. Yeah. You're right. Exactly right. Sinner's prayer is taught throughout denominational belief. Sinner prayer, is it in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. There's no prayer that can prayer to be, be saved. That, you know, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior, and, and I can pray this prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you what, our FCA is teaching that in our high school. Uh, if you don't believe me, just ask your children if they've ever been. Um, that's what they're teaching them, uh, because I've confronted them. And this was the response. Well, I told the guy not to give an altar call. That was the response. And he did anyway. Well, you just misled about 150 kids. Um, so, again, moving on with this apostasy thought. Paul knew that these people needed some help. He knew they needed some understanding on this thing because they continued. What was these people's thought? That the day of the Lord what? It already came, hadn't it? Yeah, it had already come. Um, and, you know, at the top of page 110 there, says that they believed some had falsely taught that. And it had already uh, had occurred. It was at hand. It was been, it, one commentator there, Morris, by the name of Morris, believed the latter to be the proper interpretation uh, of that. Um, you know, thought of the, that the day of the Christ had come, whether it meant that it had at hand. Uh, so he believed it was. He, he taught and, and put, gave us some information here about it being uh, at hand. To say the door of the Lord had come did not mean it was completed. All the glorious events associated with it had occurred. That was so obviously untrue, it needed no refutation. Refutation? Refutation. What it did mean was that the day had dawned and they were then living in it. Right now, we're living in the last what? Last days, okay, of, of the Lord. Uh, this being so, the climax must be infallibly be reached and within every short space of time. Uh, so the second letter of Thessalonians was written to correct that error in that teaching. Uh, so the Thessalonian Christians, the day of the Lord had not yet come, was, was why it was written. And this is what was said. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless a falling away comes first and a man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the lower part of that in the introduction on the bottom of page 110, two things will proceed. What does it say? Falling away or a rebellion... 
Secondly, a man of sin or a man of lawlessness will arise. Now, questions obviously abound regarding both these matters. Um, the Lord has not yet returned, and we must be ready. We've already established that. We've got to be ready. Now, the net first section of this is preparing for the end. Now, we've talked a little bit about that already. <clears throat> Paul previously anticipated that event when he asked Thessalonians, for what is our hope, joy, or crown of rejoicing? Uh, it is not on top, top of page 111 there. Um, even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. He turned his attention to when it would occur. What does he warn him about there? He says, don't be what? Soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by what? Word or by letter. So it again indicates that there were those who were teaching and writing and putting things out to say that the Lord had come. Yes. So what's our qualifying element today? What's our, what do we hang our hat on? The Bible. Yeah, the Word of God. Uh, can I hang it, can I hang my hat on what the Life Church says? <laughs> they ain't preaching the Bible, I can tell you that. Yeah, you're right. You know, I've been reading a lot of art, uh, articles this week, too. Uh, this latter part of this lesson about strong delusions. I wanted to understand that a little more. And uh, so the latter part of this lesson is read in text this morning. And it says, God will send strong delusions. And I was, I was, I had heard stuff on it before through the years, but I wanted to study it more. So I've been really studying that this week, part of this lesson, to, to get a better understanding of what those strong delusions were and, and, and this, that, and other. Um, and a lot of, uh, a lot in those articles, it was talking about people interpretation. People in the world today, or in our society today, spend a lot, or put a lot of emphasis on how, how you interpret it, how I interpret it, how I see it. How do we how do we respond against that? Yeah, it doesn't matter how I see it. 
uh, it's how God sees it and wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and you're talking about letting our minds get warped. Talked to a third grader, little third grade girl the other day, and uh, of course, kids, you know, kids hear things and believe things, and as a kid mind, and this, that, and other. Um, but this little girl and another little girl together, they was all talking about paranormal activity. <laughs> uh, so they're sitting behind me on the bus, and, and I'm driving along. Mr. Matthew, usually when I hear that, I'm like, oh, boy. Some little kindergartner's done flipped off somebody or something. That's, I, we have that happen, believe me. <laughs> um, do you believe in ghosts? I said, here's me an opportunity. <laughs> I said, no, don't believe in ghosts. <gasps> Why not? Well, I just began to explain where our spirit goes. And these, little, these little kids never had heard anything like that. They don't. They didn't. They didn't believe. They, they had never heard anything about paradise. They had never heard anything about Hades, Aden Rim. They had never heard anything about anything when it comes to that. They believe that spirits just roam around. And and and, and I'm and now they're they're third grade, mind you. But again, somebody somewhere should be telling this kid, you know, that this is not what happens. <laughs> uh, but, but again, you're talking about their minds being warped. People do. People today, man, they believe just, they'll believe just about anything. If they read it on the Internet, they'll believe it. Or if they hear it on the news, they'll believe it. Uh, social media, they'll believe it. Um, so it, 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 that's part of our problem people's minds being warped uh, in that sense because there's some there's some strange beliefs out there on things man uh, strong delusion do a study on strong delusions in this that'd be a good personal study for you uh, there's a lot of a lot of different false teaching on what those delusions are uh, those types of things so uh, again Paul knew these people needed uh, correcting uh, he does it in, in the right way, and uh, he says that we must be, be ready. And he says there, preparing for that end, don't be soon shaken. Uh, he said, don't believe these things. Um, he told them what he needed to be told about the events, the actual events, uh, and uh, how have their minds not warped, if we could say that. Um, the day of the Lord, Paul was clear when he taught them there at page 111 that the day of the Lord had not come. Uh, those who taught otherwise did so prematurely. They will not come unless the falling away comes first. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is, is God. Top of 112. Um, he, tell, he shows there the day of the Lord at top of 112 uh, would be preceded by what Paul called the falling away, the rebellion or the apostasy. 
Um, Williams observes the definite article marks the rebellion as something known to Paul's readers, no doubt from his teaching when he was with them. Uh, Edwards writes, says this term indicates a defection or opposition which will be against God and his will, a deviation or apostasy from his plan for man. The rebellion will feature the revealing or manifestation of the man of lawlessness who belongs to a lawless class of people. He is, in fact, the son of destruction or literally son of perdition. Uh, It gives you a whole list of stuff there. Sin or lawlessness is personified in this man. And it gives a reference there just as righteousness is personified in whom? Jesus Christ. Uh... The man of sin will be his attempt to exalt himself above God, sitting as God in the temple, showing himself that he is God. Um, Lipscomb and Shepherd wrote at the bottom of that page, whoever or whatever claims the right to legislate for the children of God exalts himself against all that is God and sits in the seat of God. This principle that claims the right to change the order of God and to legislate for the church of God is the man of sin. The principle develops different bodies or forms according to surrounding circumstances. And it gives some examples here. Roman Catholicism is one development or outgrowth of this man of sin. But the same principle manifests itself in many different forms in the history of the church. Now Jackson, Wayne Jackson goes on and writes, he says, Nothing fits all the details of the prophecy more precisely than the religious departure from the New Testament pattern that fully manifested uh, it eventually in Catholicism and without different branches, Roman, Greek, and Anglican uh, together with the Protestant movement that came from the pagan pseudo-Christian collagement. I guess that's how you say that. Um, So they have been taught these things. So what's he saying there, this man is? Are we already seeing it? Have we been seeing it? Yeah, we're seeing it, have been seeing it, the falling away. I mean, because it departed from the plan of God, didn't it? All these religions is a departure from what? God's plan. Yeah, it's a departure from God's plan. Anything other than what's in this Bible and done according to what is in this Bible is a falling away and is a departure from God's plan. Um, so, you know, we're seeing that. What about the next section there? Because our time's getting away. The mystery of lawlessness. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about in this. The restraining force, which was known to the Thessalonians, held the man of sin uh, back. Various suggestions. Was it a person? Was it an empire? Was it a principle? Um... Now, Edwards, again, lays with the thought of the, it was more principle. Uh, this interpretation certainly accords with what we know about God's sovereignty. At any rate, some person or power was preventing this man from being made manifest so that he would be revealed at the proper time when God allows it. This was Paul's way of saying God is still what? In control. Nothing we see or whatever can say, oh, yes, this is the end of time. We, you know, it's, it's going to be next month. 
or it's going to be next year. Um, so he lays out that. He then told the Thessalonians about the middle of page 114 there that the struggle between lawlessness and that which was restrained is ongoing and that that would continue to win. The end of time, when the Lord came. He said that same falling away and that lawlessness is going to continue till the Lord comes. Uh, Christians are reminded that the battle against Satan currently being waged will not last for eternity. Uh, one commentator writes at the bottom of 114, the description of Jesus' decisive activity against the lawless one emphasizes his supreme power in contrast to the opponent's pretensions. His power is so superior that he is able to bring immediate and effortless destruction at this point by the breath of his mouth. Um, so again, Paul is writing upon that. What is that lawlessness, uh, that principle, the way of mankind? Um, we're in those days, that falling away and the lawlessness. Now what about the unrighteous deception? 9 through 12. Says, Whatever the identity of the lawless one, Satan is involved. We can, we, can, we can pretty much chalk that up, can't we? Uh, whatever the identity is, the devil, Satan, is part of it. Uh, the coming of the lawless ones according to the works of Satan with all power, signs, and living wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that might be saved. Now, through this rest of the section here, that's, that one statement there, did not receive the love of the truth is what you have to key on. John 8 and 44, Satan is the father of all lies. Deception there. And people who go with the Lord, who are infatuated with the world and its allurements, the book says here, is deadly. And those people did not receive the love of the truth. They decided not to. Now, in a part of that scripture where it says God gave them over to a strong delusion. I'm going to have to quit. Um, I've got a lot of notes on that I wanted to share with you, but I didn't make it to it. God gives the sinners over to the very sin error they have. He didn't give them up. He didn't turn his back and say, I'm done with you. For God gave them over means to surrender them. And we need to understand that it will always be our choice, mankind's choice. Uh, you can go back to Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, where it says that if you teach the truth, basically, and they will not hear you, shake the dust off your feet and move on to someone else. You've planted the seed, you've held up to your responsibility, move on. Um, so, again, a lot I could go on and say about that. Uh, and I see the kids are out there and we've got to close. So, uh, let's, let's have an end with a question prayer this morning and uh, as we finish up. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the day and the blessings of it, the time that we've had together to study your word. Father, we're thankful that we can read and study about the coming of your son. And Father, we pray that each of us will be ready and that we'll help other people be ready. And Father, we, we hasten the day that you do send your son back. We want to come home and be with you. Father, we pray for those who are still out in sin. We know you're long-suffering, and we pray that you'll give them time. Bless and keep us as we enter into our worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.